welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports fan perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Friday, May 27th, Ian Cameron. Uh, we'll have uh, Andrew McGinnis momentarily as well. Uh, Jimmy Murphy might be stopping in. We'll see uh, about that. But we do have DJ Mitchell, special guest with us today. Has, of course, he's been on multiple times. Our BetCast, he was on with us uh, earlier this week. Uh, and he's been on a few Fridays. Uh, DJ, welcome back to the show. How are things with you? Up, oh, muted. <laughs> Things are better now. Uh, yeah, no, things are good. Last night was a, a good win. Uh, round one was really, really good. Round two, I think I've been uh, talking myself into playing as many bets as I was in round one and not focusing in on the good ones. So I'm trying to condense down a little bit more. And last night was a really, really good success because I just went with like all of the guys in the late game getting a bunch of points. And well, the goaltenders helped me out quite a bit there. So um, I feel good uh, and I feel Really, hopefully, very good about this game tonight because uh, hopefully the Avs can close it out for us. But they don't like doing that in the round two. No, that is for sure. So uh, when I when I look at it here with the uh, Blues and the Avs, we'll get to that uh, in a second. And I certainly had my fill of uh, ranting and raving and railing on the Avalanche yesterday. If you watched uh, yesterday's show, the how and the why questions of why they can't close these playoff games. Uh, and why you are dominant for two periods, and in the third period you play scared, scared shitless, like I said yeah. yesterday, completely like you're timid. And because you look at the Colorado team in the first two periods, and you look at the Colorado team in the third period, you think they're two damn different hockey teams, really. Yeah. And it's to me a mental thing. And we're going to find out a lot about this team's mental toughness, mental fragility, whatever you want to call it, starting tonight. So we'll get to a uh, game six later tonight. Uh, in just a second. But first, let's look back on last night. We had two games uh, in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes, um, pretty much the most boring and predictable result you can ever imagine that they were going to hold serve at home. A homer series, a homer playoffs for the Carolina Hurricanes, where the home team has won every game uh, in Carolina's playoff games in the first two rounds. That pattern continued last night uh, as the Hurricanes get the victory over the uh, New York Rangers to now take a 3-2 series lead with the scene shifting to Madison Square Garden for Saturday, uh, which will be the only game now uh, that we know on Saturday uh, in in the uh, playoffs. And uh, look, last night, it was great to see guys that haven't exactly played great series for the Hurricanes step up, talking about Vincent Trocek, a lot of people calling for we need more from this guy. And certainly that's been said many games now about Andrei Svechnikov, uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, we were even bantering yeah. about this Tuesday night during the BetCast. What's wrong with him? Where's he disappeared to? Can't find him with a telescope, but he scores the big breakaway goal to really put that game pretty much out of reach, make it 3-1 at the time uh, for the Hurricanes. And, of course, they would win by that final score. And really, there's not much to say. Carolina looks just so much better at home. Having the last line change, I think, helps them. I think Brenda Moore's more at ease with the way he can deploy his lineup on home ice. And, and they just look like they are they play a whole lot better at home on the road. They haven't been that way. They give up more chances. Their defense isn't even as good on the road uh, either. I mean, they just basically suffocate the Rangers for three periods last night. Yet in Game 3 and Game 4 at Madison Square Garden, the Rangers are making hay offensively in the zone, getting chances, getting quality looks. 
They barely had any of those quality looks last night uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's just amazing to me just the stark contrast with this Hurricanes team when they play at home in the playoffs versus on the road. And it sure continued last night, which means now the Rangers, they're going to have to hold serve and find a way to win another home game themselves in Game 6 if they're going to push this series back to Raleigh, North Kakalaki for Game 7. Uh, DJ, what did you think of last night's game there? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing you started with was Sveshnikov, which it, it really has been a boomer bust every night. You know, we I was kind of going through the game logs, just shot attempts. You see a 2 and a 3 and a 4 and then a 9, and then you see, you know, a 2 and a whatever. And then last night, again, he has, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 shot attempts, a goal five on net. It's like, it's a boomer bust with him. And I don't really know if there's a specific reason. I haven't found anything that's showing me like why this night he's getting such a better opportunity. He actually seemingly was up against a tougher competition at five on five and didn't, that line didn't even dominate the, the Mott Hedo Lafreniere line, which was a new look for the Rangers later in the game. They just, it just seemed like he was the guy, like they're going to get him the puck. They know they need to find goals. And that's kind of what I've been banging the drum for. It's like, this guy's been their best rate shooter all playoffs. Why is he not getting more opportunity? Why aren't they like the coach? Why are the Brindenborg's in his ear? You've got to shoot. We need you shooting this puck. And we finally saw it. So I'm hoping it's for good things to come because it's two and a half was at like minus 120. And I, you know, of course, I just put like half a unit on it, didn't really tout it because again, you don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I'm really excited to see what, what we see from the Rangers. I'm expecting an all out war in the next game with the top. I mean, especially if you watch that game. You saw either Zabinijet or Strom on the ice at all times in the third period. And I think we're going to see that again. The top six is going to get all the run in the world. And I'm kind of of the mindset that that could be very, very relevant for a showdown TFS is to jam in those Rangers and hope to get, um, you know, an interesting correlation between the top six. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see how it's deployed. And of course, uh, the Rangers now having to make a, a few uh, tactical adjustments as well. Really, it's uh, what I like about the Rangers, though, even in the loss is the one goal they scored was on the power play. They've actually put a little dent into that Carolina penalty kill, which has been the number one penalty kill all season uh, in the National Hockey League. And uh, I'm kind of with Nick Earl in our chat, who's hinting that maybe we finally get an over in that Rangers Hurricane series tomorrow. I get that sense too. elimination game. Five and a half, even fives are uh, there is a five actually with the total at DraftKings uh, right now uh, for the Hurricanes and the Rangers for Saturday night, uh, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern. Of course, it gets the spotlight time slots, the only game uh, tomorrow. So uh, I, I get the sense, too, we might finally have that off offensive breakthrough. And especially if you look at the pace and the the, the, the chances for uh, at Madison Square Garden, the expected goals for at Madison Square Garden, the games there. Uh, I think you might finally see the undertrend get snapped uh, tomorrow night, possibly. It's not easy to bet an over in that series. Don't get me wrong with five straight unders. But, man, if there's ever a spot it's going to get snapped, I think it could be tomorrow night, game six. Yeah, I agree. It, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. But at, at the same time, I feel like it, I'm going to say this because it's you know if I'm not on again, the Eastern Conference finals are going to be so boring. <laughs> and I'm just not looking forward to watching – probably what is going to be a Carolina team and a Tampa team trying to outbore each other into making a mistake and trapping the neutral zone. And it's going to be more unders in the East. And if I don't get a chance to say it again, I'll say it now. It's going to, a lot of people might talk themselves into, um, Oh, Tampa, Carolina, that sounds like fun. And it's not going to be, I'm very sorry to tell you. 
I think you're right about that. Tampa Bay doesn't mind at all. These two, one, three, one, three, two, just tighten it up and win with a low scoring defensive battle with an elite goaltender who's playing like lights out right now. It's yeah. not like with Andre Vasilevsky playing the way he is. You need more than two or three goals right now. Yeah, I mean, Tampa was allowing shots, but they weren't allowing a ton of high danger chances. And I know Vasilevsky looked great, but I mean, how many miraculous saves did he really make? It's a team that's playing very, very good defensively. They made deals at the deadline to have this kind of defensive team rolled out. And if they get Braden point back, might maybe an uptick, but I don't, I don't think that's how they want to play anymore. Yeah, remember these two teams, Carolina. If it is Carolina and Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference final, that's still an if. The Rangers aren't dead yet, but if it is Carolina and Tampa Bay, they did play each other in the playoffs last year. Tampa won uh, in five games, and four of the five stayed under. Uh, so there, there, there's an example. Yeah, two one, two one, two nothing, three two in overtime, and there was one game that was pretty wild and high scoring. It was six four, yeah. uh, a game in Tampa. That was the anomaly though in that series. Yeah. And I really, I really think if you're in, in New York, we don't have these, but if you're, if you're a con Smythe trophy better and you haven't already put money on McDavid, it might be too late, but it's McDavid or Vasilevsky. I can't even like imagine. I mean, obviously they have to, those teams have to make the cup, but I mean, who else could it possibly be at this point? You know, I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, if Colorado could beat Edmonton, that'd be very, very easy to see. Or I mean, St. Louis is not of it yet, but Boy, I mean, there's no one on Tampa or Carolina. I mean, there's only Carolina above 10 points. That is bananas uh, that we've gone this far, and no one's really taken any sort of a step forward. I see someone saying Hedman. Yeah, I mean, there's there's guys. Uh, there's guys that could maybe do it. But Vasilevsky, if he gets them there, 930 save percentage, I don't know. I, I think that's really the two that we're down to at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if that's the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, how that one uh, plays out. But uh, yeah, it's looking that way, at least right now. Uh, but the Rangers aren't dead yet. We'll see how game six plays out there. And the other game last night, congrats to the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, what else can you say? They clearly deserved that series. They they outplayed Calgary. Their best players were better than Calgary's best players. I mean, sometimes it's, you can just paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you just got to keep it simple. And that's really what the uh, series boiled down to when you look at it. Who had the better uh, forwards up front. Who's big, biggest and best players played better in that series? Edmonton's, McDavid, Drysaddle. Drysaddle with what seventeen points? Is that is that real life? I mean, in that series, I mean, absolutely sick. McDavid gets two points uh, in pretty much every game, at least two points in every game in that series, uh, except last night where he only got held to the one point. But it was the overtime game and series winner. Uh, in overtime to end that series. But McDavid, Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, and Zach Hyman, that four was better than Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, and whoever you want to throw in as the fourth guy for Kamangiapani maybe. Uh, that's that's the difference. They were better. They were better. The, the Calgary could not contain the speed of the Oilers. They gave up way too much rush chances, way too many transition chances. Uh, they just didn't manage the puck well enough. How many times did they put the puck in a bad spot in the neutral zone Calgary throughout that series. Uh, it ended up being a problem for them. To, and look, Calgary did a lot of good things last night. They got the first goal. They got the crowd into it. Uh, Edmonton pushed back and took the lead. Calgary responded bang, bang with two goals, four, three, but then you give up the tying goal to Bouchard four, four right after that in an insane sequence where I think we set a record four goals in a minute, 11 seconds uh, in that second period. Uh, just Absolutely incredible back and forth sequence it was there for a minute or two. 4 4. And sure enough, of course, we think we're going to go to overtime uh, in, in that. Well, it ended up going to overtime, but we think, you know, 4 4. 
Calgary gets the tie, uh, go-ahead goal. We thought was the go-ahead goal by Blake Coleman, but now, and I was that's why I was hoping, not just because I like Calgary, although I did also have Edmonton team total on the full game over, and I said yesterday I'm hedging with Calgary by also taking the Oilers team total over three and a half and the full game over because I still wasn't totally sure of Calgary shutting down Edmonton, and that proved to be correct. But as, it's not just because I wanted Calgary, but I said, please don't allow you know Edmonton to win this game if that goal is called back because it's going to go down as the one of the most controversial, debated, talked about no goal calls in recent memory in the Stanley Cup playoffs because you got half the people that think it was a good call that it should have been no goal, and you got half the people that think you know we got to redefine what the hell the uh, kicking motion is, which is where I stand on it. Uh, going into that that situation. Here's the problem. For years, you have defined a kicking motion, a distinct kicking motion. Letter of the law is winding up that skate like a soccer player is ready to strike a soccer ball. Winding up the skate backward and then following through forward and contacting the puck. That to me, that to any human being with a brain is a distinct kicking motion, is the real legit distinct kicking motion. And the and the problem is, throughout the course of the season, we have seen goals uh, allowed, goals ruled a, a good goal on the ice when players have turned their skate, angled their skate, and the puck has gone off the skate and in the net, and it's been called a goal uh, hundreds and hundreds of times this season, more than I can count. So the problem with my the problem for me with that call is look, you allowed 20 goals this year throughout the course of the league. I'm sure probably even more than that, where the the player maybe turns the skate a little bit, angles the skate a little bit, it goes in off the side of the skate, uh, and it's called a good and it's called a good goal. Well, if you're going to do it 20 times during the regular season, why are you not doing that last night? You know that is absolutely my argument with that. Uh, not to mention, I don't think it's a distinct kicking motion uh, at all. Distinct kicking motion is winding up and throw and connecting forward. You know, following through forward, that's a kick. That's a kick to anybody. You teach your kid how to kick a soccer ball. You don't say, oh, we turn and we angle our shoe or our foot to contact the ball. No, we see we wind up backward and we follow through forward and we kick the goddamn ball. All right. That's what happens. There is no way, in my opinion, that's a distinct kicking motion last night. And look, if you're Calgary, I understand being upset. It's disappointing. It should have been, in my opinion, a goal. Uh, in that situation, but at the same time, I can't listen to the Calgary fan this morning say we lost the series because of that. So yeah, I thought it was a horrible call. I thought it absolutely should have been a goal, but I can't listen to the Flames fan saying we lost the series on that. No, you lost it in game two, three, and four when you couldn't contain anybody on that Edmonton team defensively, and you couldn't. You lost that series when Edmonton repeatedly uh, made. Noah Hannafin looked like an utter fool, and Noah Hannafin's a good defenseman. How how bad did he look at times in this series? And he's a good player, and I still believe he's a good player, which tells you how that high level of skill and talent in that Edmonton lineup played in that series. He just toyed with Edmonton's defense the, the whole series. But I can't listen to the Calgary fans say we lost the series based on that. You still have overtime in front of you last night. Go out there and win the hockey game. They didn't do that. And then there's Blake Coleman, obviously upset about the call. I don't blame him being upset about the call. I was. I thought it was a bad call. But why are you screaming and yelling at Wes McCauley? He didn't make the call. He's got to rely on the numbnuts in Toronto, the video review folks that made that call, the wrong call, in my opinion. Why are you yelling at Wes if you're Blake Coleman? That made no sense uh, to me. But at the end of the day, 
Calgary or Edmonton was the better team. They deserved to get through. Congrats to them. Jay Woodcroft, by the way, you talk about a coach that's rising up the ranks for me. I mean, he makes the light, subtle change in the third, puts Hyman on the top line with Dreisaitl and McDavid because Yamamoto didn't have it going last night compared to Hyman. Hyman's just got it going every shift. Woodcroft saw it, put him with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and look how he rewarded uh, you know, Woodcroft. I mean, Woodcroft's in, he's not scared at all to make a line ju- adjustment right in the middle of the game, just based on the feel. If the game's maybe not going the way he wants it to for his team, he'll just adjust on the fly. Do you know how refreshing that is? And then I got to watch Andrew Burnett in the Florida series with a shit power play for the whole playoffs, one for whatever, not make any adjustment, nothing tactically, nothing changes. Say, oh, it worked in the regular season. I'm just going to wait for it to work here in the playoffs without adjusting. That's coaching. Well done, Jay Woodcroft. Outstanding, and I've been so impressed with him from a coaching standpoint. DJ, I'll let you uh, start with this one, uh, Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i be honest. I, I went and brushed my teeth during the, the review. I was getting ready to go to bed. I'm like, yeah, there's no freaking way that they're calling that back. And they did. I mean, you know, and I'm the same way. I mean, especially being a Sabres fan, I, I don't really have meaningful hockey games, so maybe I'm just numb to the, the feelings of the Flames fans because it's like, you got dominated for, for five games. You know, you really had very small stretches of being great. And like you said, I was going to say exactly is Woodcroft adjusted all series, every game, he made tough decisions and set his entire fourth line. Like they, they got dominated for two shifts. Just sat them done. You're done. We're not using you anymore. Nope. And watching Lucci. Short this bench. Yep. Yeah. Great and and watching these other guys for, I'm just like watching, Calgary roll out Lewis and the, and Edmonton getting a McDavid matchup on him. And I'm just like, you guys are going to get slaughtered and, and adjusting the Hannafin Anderson line that, that eventually they put uh, Shillington and Tanev on McDavid too little, too late. Sorry. You already, you already, you, you couldn't contain them. I, yeah, I, I felt like Sutter was too stuck in his ways and just didn't quite get it done. He had seven defensemen. You have a chance to, you know, try to find a way to, do anything. Just try to be creative a little bit. Maybe even try to put a Michael Stone out there at five on five as a forward on McDavid. Try something. I don't know who's the right guy, but he just did nothing. Too little, too late. They lose, and it yeah, and they and yeah, they got screwed. But I mean, they lost that for other reasons. I don't think it's just that play, which uh, yeah, blew my mind when they called that back because I think that Coleman wanted to do what he did. I think he did it correctly, <laughs> and uh, I, I definitely think he was like, my skate's hitting this puck and it's going in the net, but. It was not a kicking motion. It was a stop and turn and kind of go into the goal and, and whatever, though. And I don't know. That's the way it went. So I'm sorry. I, I had a, a, a nice bet on the Flames to make the cup and the Flames to win the cup. And I got those really early in the year. I had one before the year even started. So I was pissed about that. But I'm not going to do. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I, Poe Buddy's nerfed. He did. I think there's an element of we did try to direct the puck in. But just turning the skate and angling it has been called a goal all year, all year in so many instances. And last night it was not, that's the issue. That's the issue. And and again, it goes back to, Hey, we're having some consistency issues right now. You know, we're having some major consistency issues right now in terms of uh, being able to uh, uh, define what's a goal in that scenario. When the puck goes in off the skate to me, you've just got to, either change the rule or the letter of the rule or the definition of the rule to say distinct kicking motion as in you wind up backward and you follow through forward like we all know like well that is a kick when i'm kicking someone that's the way i'm doing it 
but it's the NHL. So you have to wait yeah. until there's a massive controversial call that turns yeah. the entire trajectory of the season in the playoffs to even consider changing the rule. You could never get out in front of anything. Let's wait until it blows up in our face in the battle of Alberta. And then, and then we're like, Oh man, now we might change it now. And yeah. then everyone's pissed and sad and angry and too little too late. And also thank you. It is a nice hat. Thank you very much. Um, in the comments. I like it too. Old school. Uh, Expos. I know, right? Great hat. Yep. Um, we well, miss that team being there as well. Uh, they should yeah, still but, have a team, but that's another story. Well, yeah, no, it was, man, a crazy call, and they're going to change the rule now, and it's it's too late. It's it's what it's the NHL. You got a bunch of old guys that really don't want to do anything that run the league, and they do the bare minimum once it's too late every time because it's a lot of – and, like, I, I could go on for hours and hours. I mean, geez, like, they're so behind the times. They're just starting a Wordle thing for the couple. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, Wordle died, like, four months ago. Now you're going to try to promote that? And I don't know if I, I'm, I'm ranting now, but I was dying because the first time they brought it up, the announcers like bashed it for sure. They were all like bashing it. And then the next time they were like, oh, I love playing couple. And I was, I was dying. I'm like this NHL, man, it's run by so many people that like, just don't get what they, they cannot be any slower adjusting to the times. It's amazing. It really is the reason this sport hasn't taken off like the NBA. And um, that was way too much for the fact that should have been a goal, but that's the point. <laughs> but it, yeah, it should have been a goal. Uh, and that, that 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 played a big part in them losing the game. It cannot be the excuse I hear from the Flame fan that they lost the series because of that. Like I said, that's just that's not the case. You were you were beaten by the team that was better throughout that series, and that was the uh, that was the Edmonton Oilers who clear and look. Mike Smith is. We said this yesterday. Mike Smith's like third or fourth in the playoffs, goaltending with goals saved above average. Like this guy is truly doing some special things right now. Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. He's playing great. Throw out the horrendous goal he gave up in game four, and it was bad, obviously. Rasmus Anderson from inside his own blue line. He lost sight of the puck, just lost it in an in-flight, and it beat him. Other than that, that was a hell of a great series, uh, other than game one when he got pulled. He had a bad start in game one. He got pulled. And then after that, it was a different Mike Smith. I thought he played much better. Uh, and look, he had, a, I thought, a very strong game last night, even there as well. Could I, yeah, the Gaudreau goal maybe could have had that one, but no, for the most part, he also made a hell of a lot of great high-quality saves, uh, especially when that game was there still to be won for Calgary uh, last night and throughout the series. So credit to Mike Smith, and we'll see if he can uh, – He's gonna. they're going to need every ounce and every fiber of Mike Smith's being to be on top of his game if indeed it's Colorado uh, in the next round. But we've still got a ways to go before we crown Colorado as the next opponent. Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Jimmy Murphy is with us here uh, now on the uh, show. Jimmy, what's up? Good to see you. Uh, talk about last night's games. What did you think? Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm back in the sports book, guys. Sorry, so I was having some technical <laughs> difficulties. So I got my, got my phone lined up against my drink here so you can see me. Uh, what I thought of last night's game is, like I was listening to you guys before. Um, I completely agree with you, Ian. It, it was a bad call on the goal with Calgary and Edmonton, and it should have been a goal. But the bottom line is, they're not in a position to need that to be a goal if they don't blow two leagues. They're not in a position to need that to save their season uh, if they don't play the way they had in the previous games. And so, you know, I, I understand the raw emotion of it right now, but I think that Calgary, the, the Flames players, the Flames organization and their fans, I think when they take a step back in the next 72 hours or something after they you know, they kind of digest this. It, it, they'll be thinking a little more objectively, I hope, and just see that. I mean, and that was the issue. The Flames completely got away from their game. 
Um, I don't know what it was, whether they thought they could kind of play the run and gun with with the Oilers or they, you know, I have no idea what happened to them. They, they just didn't seem like the Flames team that we saw dominate the better half of the second half of the season. So uh, that's why they're out right now. And, and look, Con McDavid, what can we say about him right now? But uh, you were just talking about Mike Smith, man. I mean, I, you know, I get it. But at what point do we start giving Mike Smith some props, right? Like, this guy has come up big. He's had some clutch performances. And this isn't the first time. He's done this in the past. Uh, you know, he's he's a roller coaster. But, I mean, I think back to a, a, a Edmonton, goal, Edmonton Oilers goalie during the dynasty years, and that's Grant Fjord. Grant Fjord was no stable presence between the net. Who are we kidding, right? I mean, I know he kind of gets categorized in some of the greatest goalies ever, but that's kind of because of the team he played on. I mean, if you put Grant Fuhr on the Winnipeg Jets then or on another team, uh, he's not getting the recognition he does. He, he was a roller coaster, and that's kind of what Mike Smith is. And luckily for him, like Fuhr did, he's got a wagon in front of him. So uh, we'll see how long that wagon can carry them. And then as far as Carolina and the Rangers go, man, this is just – it's like deja vu. It's like watching the Bruins uh, Hurricane Series again. It's the exact same thing. It's just two different teams when Carolina is at PNC Arena or they're on the road. And that's why, I mean, looking ahead, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, I'm all over the Rangers' puck line tomorrow. Look at the, the value you can get on that. You, how, how the Rangers getting that value? How are they not bigger favorites considering how bad Carolina has played on the road. So yep. uh, that's what I'm liking tomorrow, and I think it's going to continue, and we're going back for Game 7. Hard to argue with that. I mean, we've seen Carolina look completely different on the road. Jump on that now, too, guys. Yep. On the Jimmy Puck line on New York tomorrow, I mean, you are getting a gift there. All right, there you go. Not just liking, loving the Rangers, and just yeah, forego the uh, – Forego the money line, just go puck line for the uh, New York Rangers here. And by the way, the Rangers, I believe they did win both games at home in this series by two goals or more uh, by yes. margin. So there you go. I As mean, did the Bruins in every game they won at home. Yep. So there, there you go. Maybe just go minus one and a half. Why not? Or at least split but it I'm up. I'm looking at know. plus 235, yeah. guys, which I think is insane. That's going to go down. So It is. And, and Alex suggested Blues plus 550, plus 545 to come back and win the series against the uh, – the avalanche because you know he didn't necessarily if you if you had that kind of lack of trust with colorado yeah we know alex isn't feeling too hot today so we'll, we'll, we'll give him a grain of salt there on that yeah absolutely yeah alex a little under the weather with his stomach but uh he'll be back i think tomorrow he might be back andrew by the way he'll be back tomorrow andrew won't be able to make it today he's busy but he'll be back tomorrow it's not on saturdays very often but uh, he's going to join us tomorrow on the uh, Saturday show, which is going to be at noon Eastern time with just the one game tomorrow, which is Carolina uh, and the uh, New York Rangers. So uh, looking forward to that. All right. And you know what we're looking forward to? We're looking forward to this game six tonight, Western Conference, second round, Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues, Colorado minus 165 road favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Uh, you know, I said it yesterday. We have to ask some tough how and why questions when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche. Why is it you play so good for the first two periods? And why is it in the third period you look like a completely different team? Scared, timid, terrified to make a play uh, with the puck, dominated basically in your own zone the whole period, just trying to hang on and nurse that game home to victory. Why don't you stay on the aggressive? Why don't you stay playing the way you were in the first two periods and attacking in waves like they had been doing so successfully, I might add, by the way, because going into the third period, we're looking at 7-1 Colorado, if not for Billy Huso. 
in, in game five. I thought he was phenomenal in the first two periods, did everything he could to keep St. Louis at least hanging around. And thankfully, because of him, they were hanging around and they were the perfect uh, and, and Colorado fell prey to it because, again, they got they tensed up. I don't care what anyone says that the apes and look, St. Louis played well. They have got hearts of lions. They've won Stanley Cups. They know what it takes. They can dig down deep. They've got that grit. We know that. And they deserve a hell of a lot of credit for the comeback. But there's no mistake about it to me that they tensed up in the third period, Colorado, because it looked like nothing like the Avalanche team we saw in the first two periods. And that's why I brought it up and posed the question yesterday. Is there a friggin' mental block still hanging over this team? Uh, very possibly. This is the round yeah. where they've constantly fallen up, fallen short. And now it's going to be, you know, really put to the test here in game six. And God forbid if they lose tonight, definitely put to the test in game seven, where even though it's in Denver on their home ice, all the pressure would be on Colorado mm-hmm. in a building where St. Louis has already won two of the three games. In I'd rather season. play that on the road, guys. Yeah. If I was Colorado, if it goes to game seven, I would have wished I'd be on the road because I've, you know, I've seen so many game sevens in my time covering and, and we, it, the home team doesn't matter anymore. And, and like you said, it's almost a detriment with the pressure that's on you when you're their home team, especially after blowing that lead. Yeah. And don't believe they're feeling some pressure and tension and not playing their best with the, you know, with things start to get a little tense, watch that sequence when they're up, even after McKinnon, you think, wow, McKinnon to the rescue with that unbelievable end end goal to make it four, three, this is going to be that fairy tale goal to finally put Colorado to the conference finals, get them to that next level. But then with the net empty and the extra attacker, it was panic plays with the puck all over the ice. I can't, yeah. I can't, I, I can't describe how many times I saw Colorado throw the puck to the middle of the ice when St. Louis had the extra attack. They nearly scored on that just seconds before they actually did, because someone just blind passed through the middle of the ice, and that's not playing with boys. That's playing scared, terrified, uh, and that bothers me. That's a me. four check. That's yeah. a four check right there. That is absolutely St. Louis ties it right after that, and, and then the rest is history. They win in overtime. So this is mental. Every bit is physical right now for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I don't know. I'm staying off the side. If DJ or Jimmy have a better opinion for me uh, from a side perspective on this game, I give them credit. I don't want anything to do with it because I know if I take St. And I think the value is actually St. Louis at plus 145, plus 150, given the momentum they've got now and and the, the questions I've got with Colorado's ability to close. But I also have the sense that Colorado, maybe, you know, after what happened game five, maybe there's a part of them that says, hey, we, we, we sat back too much. I think it was more pressure and tension and nerves of actually getting it done that bothered them. Uh, but to me, maybe they come out strong. And that's my worry with St. Louis here, that if they get behind, I mean, that could think that could be trouble, but they erased a deficit last time. Uh, on the flip side, though, I'm not laying a buck 65, buck 70 with this Colorado team. No way. Uh, not with what's the expectations, not with the uh, amount of pressures on their shoulders. And they got to show me uh, that they're going to be able to respond to it here tonight in game six. So I've got absolutely zilch on the side, other than maybe I'd look at another overtime game. Maybe it's got that feel to it. So maybe I'd sprinkle on the draw at a solid price in this game. Other than that, there's nothing for me that I'm betting from a side perspective, but I am on the over again. Of course, a six and a half. You look at this series, every game's gone over the total since Billy Huso has been the starter. Uh, he has struggled. He's given up an average of five goals per game, 15 goals allowed by Billy Huso in the three games that he's been the starting goaltender. But on the flip side, Darcy Kemper, he he's not absolved of blame either. I'd like a save on the Bozak goal. I know there was a little screen uh, on that overtime goal, but it was far out. There's a chance still to see the puck, 
gauge its trajectory a little bit when it got to you, and it went through him. So I'd like to stop there, and I thought Kemper wasn't his best in Game 5, and he's given up, I think, eight goals in the last two games uh, coming into this one. So to me, I like over. You know <laughs> if Colorado takes the lead early, which they've got the capability to do, that's just going to open the game up even more since St. Louis has, has it's no tomorrow for them. They have to win this game. So uh, it's trending over the total. Three straight games in this series have gone over. Every game since Huso's been the starter has gone over the total. So, And I'm sticking with it. Uh, over six and a half here, minus 120. Uh, Jimmy, we'll start with you here. Colorado-St. Louis, game six. I'm with you. I'm staying away from that side right now. What I'm going to do as far as the score goes, the scoring, uh, I like the under in the first period. I like the Blues in the first period. I see a one nothing lead for the Blues going in the first intermission. Uh, and then I'm just all props. Uh, I've got Cadre for a point, O'Reilly for a point, Taves for a point, Falk for a point, and I've got Makar uh, to score a goal. And those are my plays. There we go. So a bunch of points, props, and Kale McCarr uh, to score a goal, who is actually kind of a goal. I love McCarr. Great play. We know he's going to be – that's going to be an unbelievable career that this guy is going to have. But even he has got to take some of the responsibility. He didn't box out on Robert Thomas there on the tying goal. You know, no. let him get that uh, puck and put it in past uh, Darcy Kemper to tie it up. So that falls on uh, Kale McCarr a little bit. So, yeah, this is just – this is a must-see TV appointment type of thing tonight yeah jump game. in during the game yeah and and no doubt it's going to be because everybody's going to be fascinated to see what this colorado team their mental makeup is all about we're going to find out a lot tonight uh as they try to bounce back from the horror the horror of losing a game where you're up three nothing at home where nathan mckinnon's dominating all over the ice with a hat trick and four points and you don't win that game you've got to somehow pick yourself up off the mat tonight and get ready if you're Colorado to try once again to close out this series. We're going to find out something about this team. Yeah, and I think you years. said you said it even best. It's a mental block. It really yep. is. Like they they need to find a way to start to be killers out there, have that killer instinct, and, and close things out. And that, we've seen it so many times with them. They're basically the Colorado Avalanche are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the second round, right? I mean, they yep. can't get by the second round, and just like the Leafs crumble. Yep. And, and and just can't handle the pressure that that's the avalanche in the second round. At le- but the, at least the Avs fans will take that over the Leafs fans because at least they get to a second round. They win a round, <laughs> they win a series or two, which they've uh, been able to hey, do. It's, le- it's less torture that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, to not even to get to the playoffs every single year and then not even win a round. I mean, that's even worse for the Leaf fan. I, it's as bad, as tough as it's been for Colorado these few years. It's been much worse for the Leafs. I yeah, mean, seeing what they've sure. gone through uh, all these years. All right, DJ, we know you got the Avs jersey. You're rocking it. So tell us what you like if we if we, if, if we need to uh, really ask that. Well, I mean, I do like the Avalanche. I think what you said was true off the, off the beginning, though, is that the Money line isn't great. Um, the puck line isn't great. I, I don't think that they're incredibly strong EV positive bets. Um, I honestly, I, I hate to go right against you, uh, Jimmy Murphy, but I think the, the Avalanche, to win the first period, plus 145, I, they really have done, and they've only done it once. They've only won the first period one time. And it was last game, and I bet it because it finally got to, you know, plus 130, plus 120. I'm like, they're dominating the first period. You look at the shot tides, you look at all this stuff. They hit the post three times in game one in the first period. They, you know, they uh, got a little lucky with some, some penalties in game two and three. And I just, I mean, this team is a very fast starting team. Normally I'm, I'm in on it. Uh, I think the the biggest question mark I have is you go from, you know, game three in St. Louis to game four. And the biggest change was in, in game uh, three in St. Louis, the Kadri, Rantanen, Nutrushkin line accounted for three goals at five on five. 
Absolutely yeah. dominated. They could they could not put anyone up against them. They had a, they changed it all game long. No one. And then you go to game game five, and that line was on the edge for three goals against. I, I just I want to sit here and bet like you were saying. I think the Kadri Ranton and your two can all to get a point feels really really good. Or Ranton to get two. It's hard for me to want to get all the way in on. I also want to know where Barakowski slots in because it does sound like he's back. Bednar basically confirmed it. He may have already actually confirmed it. So. But I think Landeskog for a point, minus 180, doesn't quite seem accurate. Uh, Kadri, minus 165. I could consider Nertushkin, um, which is actually what they ran. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nertushkin um, with that line, but not the power play time. We'll see what happens. But I can guarantee one thing is that Nertushkin, Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, and Lekkanen will all see 18, 19 minutes of ice time if they're losing even more. So I think you could go through any of those guys for a point and feel really confident in it. On the other side... I mean, there's a lot of ways to go. Robert Thomas is a guy that finally showed up, dominated, and that's the guy they put out against Kadri. Is he going to do it again? So I, I do think you need to pick your poison because, first off, I can guarantee one thing. O'Reilly will be on the ice every single time McKinnon's on the ice. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go another way? And if you're going the other way, remember what happened last time we were in St. Louis. That other line got dominated by the Kadri line. So this game is a little confusing for me because I really just want to hammer – what happened last time. I don't want to be as reactive as I want to be predictive. So I, I think that Landeskog is the easiest bet to take for a point. I think the first period Colorado to win plus 145 is, is one I'm really strong on because I don't think that, again, I know I talked about with, with Ian on the live betting show. I don't want to bet on what's already happened. I don't want to say, well, St. Louis has won most of the first periods. So now they're, they're going to, I don't think that's been what should have happened. What should have happened is Colorado wins more of these. So, I'm willing to bet on that tonight. I think this team is hopefully has the right mental mindset going into this game. I know that's the concern, but yeah. this is a veteran group. They have a lot of veterans on the but veterans on the point. They've had a lot of guys that have been here before. They are veterans now. They're not a oh, young team God. anymore, Colorado. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. If you're if you're someone that roots for the, the old guys to win the cup, it really could be Colorado with two or three guys that have, you know, maybe I mean if you want to throw McKinnon in, you might be a little early. Um, but a couple of guys on the point that have never won a cup that's been a long time. I don't think Kemper has either, but I could be wrong. Maybe a backup. Overall, I guess the final the final say is I'm more interested in going after this Kadri line and thinking they yep. dominate, and yep. definitely in DFS. If you're playing a showdown, I think going through them and getting that full line with a defenseman, maybe even Bowen Byram, who's really come on strong as of late mm-hmm. as an offensive presence, getting more offensive draws, um, shooting more than he has been. I think that that's a better way of attacking this slate than four points in the last two games for Bull Byron, yeah. too. Yeah, because, yeah, the they, puck they, a lot. They have decided he yep. is our guy when we're starting in this offensive zone that we know can move the puck and, and get the puck towards the net accurately. So, I, I you know I'm not sure if I want to put a goal bet on him, but if you're crazy, you can. I, I really do think, um, yeah, this game, I, I, I think that I'm probably not going to bet the puck line or the money line other than I did it for my little uh, bracket that I'm hopefully going to win, but um. Yeah, I, I think that you can find a lot of value in the props. You know, you said something there uh, about the the cup experience on Colorado. There is none. And that, that might yeah. be the problem, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to have to create their own. And we see, I mean, how many t- yeah. teams that win cups have players, at least two or three, right, that have, have won a cup before with someone else or with that team. You know, and that's huge. I think that's that's a big factor right there, guys. And um, I think that's like Ian referenced earlier. That's what's factoring into this potential comeback for the blues is they've been there before and they, they know what it takes to get over that hump. So 
This is a this is a huge character test for the, for the Colorado Avalanche, man. And that's the only reason I, I I understand everything you're saying with the first period, but I'm just looking. I'm riding momentum right now. I'm riding mindset and mentality right now. And right now, Colorado's mentality is oh shit, and St. Louis's is what do we have to lose? We're not yeah. supposed to be here. So that's that's the way I look at that. And if the, if the Colorado can come out of the first period with a lead, that's frosting on the cake. My thing is, if I'm Colorado, if I'm Jared Bednar, I'm saying they're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at us in this first period. Get out of here tied 0-0. We're good, and we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very, a very interesting point, too, that DJ's making. The Colorado second line might be the better prop line tonight. Yeah, yeah. And the St. Louis very, second that's a, that's line. That's what I was thinking, too. I mean, that's yep. a huge point. Yeah, and the St. Louis second line may be better for them because you look at O'Reilly. Perron didn't have a point last game. O'Reilly's now gone back-to-back games without a point. And DJ mentioned it. O'Reilly's going to be worrying about McKinnon all night, defending him. It's kind of like the basketball analogy. Well, if the starting point guard's got to you know, focus on his defensive responsibilities, what does that leave in the tank for him offensively? You yeah, know, when, you're, when you're really trying to focus in defensively on shutting down the best player on the other team. Kind of like here, O'Reilly's really going to be focused on McKinnon, especially coming off a game where McKinnon's got a hat trick and four points. That's definitely going to be uh, an, an area of emphasis for St. Louis, and O'Reilly's going to be one of the key components. So maybe that's more of a defensive uh, type of role. He ta- Not that he can't won't score still, but he's going to be focused so much on trying to shut down McKinnon. Maybe you look at all of a sudden a Vlad Tarasenko, who's a streaky motherfucker, you know, streaky as it gets, and finally got off the schneid. You know, the other night, maybe yeah, I was looking that at that line. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Maybe him on that second line. Robert Thomas, as DJ mentioned, who's a good player and just, you know, a little cold, little snake bit for a bit. He, you know, busted out of it uh, as well recently. So that again, this could be one of those games where, you know, Joe Blow is going to end up, you know, loading up on McKinnon and the top line for the Avs or the top line for St. Louis because they see Perron's having an unbelievable playoffs. O'Reilly had a recent 12 game point streak. Uh, although, again, two games in a row without one, but we'll still come back to the well with those two guys instead of looking at maybe the Blues' second line to be that offensive you know, machine for them or the Avs' second line, Godry and Nachushkin, uh, and them to be a catalyst offensively. And like you said, DJ, as well uh, with the uh, Avalanche. And by the way, it's um, uh, Rantanen on that uh, second line, the third guy. Burakovsky might be back in the lineup after being a healthy scratch. Where does he fit into this jigsaw puzzle? that Jared Bednar deploys as, as his lineup tonight. So that's something to consider. And oftentimes when a guy gets scratched and he's back in the lineup, he's playing like he's, he's shot out of a cannon and, and ready to make an impact. And we know Burakovsky's got offensive ability to finish and score a goal any night, even though he's inconsistent, even though he drives you up the wall, even though he's lazy at times, even though he's streaky uh, a lot of the time. So you, you got to expect an utmost effort from Burakovsky after riding the pine for a couple of games, like you often get from most players. So that's an interesting factor as well tonight. Yeah. And you know who actually, I, I let me just double check. Yeah. Who led uh, St. Louis in shot attempts. And I, I got to assume shot on goals. Um, Robert Thomas last game, one and a half minus 125. I mean, I think that's enough to consider that for two. I know he can completely evaporate. And if he does, he's back with Tarasenko and Busnevich, you know, both of them um, with a softer matchup, Busnevich plus 135 over two and a half. I mean, he is a historic rate shooter. Uh, Thomas is not really uh, until this year. So I, I think you, you get some value on these guys to have some shots because a desperate team, uh, you know, the hungry dog runs faster. 
they might be shooting. How do you beat Kemper? Uh, seems like you just have to get the puck on him because he has not been super sharp. I think that's going to be their mentality. So I do think there's value in these St. Louis shot props, and there's very little to none in Colorado shot props because the the books are scared. They know that this team could put up 50 shots uh, pretty easily. So yeah. you know, I think I think I'm looking at both second lines. I think there's going to be a lot more fun, um, if you will, and a lot more offensive upside from you know the Kadri matchup with the Thomas matchup. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where I'm going. And I guess I'm hoping Colorado closes it out. I, I don't know. I just – Oh, I am too, buddy. Yeah. Dan St. Louis. I would love nothing more than watching McKinnon. Like, because if McDavid really – if he goes against McKinnon and dominates, I think we just have to give up on the league for like five years because no one's going to be touching Edmonton. Yeah. You look, guys, and I just I just don't want to hear that fucking song, Gloria, again. I just oh. don't want to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, you're Boston. Jeez, that was, yeah, I was cool one time. Except the Sabers too. I mean, everyone was like, "O'Reilly, look at all you needed to do." And I was like, "Well, it's not the only thing." I mean, they had a good <laughs> team. They had Jordan Bennington stand on his head for the entire playoffs, but everyone was wanted to talk about oh, O'Reilly. He was awesome. But yeah, now this this game should be a ton of fun. I'm actually not even gonna watch it because I'll be at a concert tonight. But I'll be hopefully rewatching it in the morning. Oh yeah, so, Goo Goo Dolls, right? No. I'm going to see Modest Mouse, which oh, oh, okay. oh nice. Oh, you'll you'll yeah. float on again. Yeah, yeah. enjoy. Yeah, it's, so I know it's it's one of those things where we're getting into concert season, and I'm just like, crap, I don't want to miss any hockey. Like, I don't know. It, it's the it's the best and the worst because you're gonna have a lot Watch of fun. It on your but, phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just quick uh, quick break. Yeah, I'll be celebrating during like the encore before the encore. Be like, yeah, you're really excited. I'm like, oh no no, McKinnon scored. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you'll be keeping an eye on the score. I know you will, like oh, any yeah. dedicated hockey fan oh, yeah. and DFS player would. Uh, absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to this. Like I say, these are the games we love to watch. You know, the storyline, St. Louis, that veteran pedigree, that cup experience that Colorado doesn't have. When I said Colorado's experience now, they're not young. I mean age experience, years in the league. But yeah. Jimmy's right. No cup winning experience. No winning those big time dig down deep moments. There haven't been any for Colorado. It's come up short, come up small in these moments repeatedly. That's what's got to change for them. Uh, they blow we, this too, guys. I mean, yeah. you are a big Avs fan. I yeah. want to ask you, I mean, if they yeah. blow this, you got, I, I think they got to make a coaching change. Yeah. I mean, oh, if, if, if Bednar yeah. can't get it done here, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like it, it's time to really look at things and, and look in the mirror. Like, what are we doing here? Because this team to me could be a dynasty if they if they can find that killer instinct finally they can really become a dynasty yeah it yeah. is it, it, they will be the toronto of round two if they lose yeah. this series i mean it's going to be round one toronto can't get past round two the abs can't get past and it's i i think it's both equally as insane because both yeah. equally as amazing and have had so many chances and this is the best chance that colorado's had i i know i'm probably the biggest tout against st louis that has existed all season long because I don't believe in how they score goals. I don't believe in that being sustainable. And it's like when they're finally not scoring a million goals above expected, the goaltending is just absolutely dynamite. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they have to be the highest PDO team by a substantial margin all season long, getting very, very lucky, but it's not luck with them because they, they, they've done it for an entire season. Yeah. I have bet unders early in the year on this team. I had to give it up because they just score above expected every night. There's a ton yeah. of skill. Um, so yeah, it, it, I've been betting against them to my detriment quite often. Uh, I, yeah. I just, so I, I know I can be wrong on this team because and, and look at last game. I mean, the expected goals was about five and a half and it went for what nine uh, was it nine final. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nine goals. Game before that, expected goals were like six, one for nine. I, I, that's what you're getting here. You're going to get a, a boring game until it flashes, and it's going to flash very quickly. And when it does, if you have that underslip, you're going to be in a lot of tears, banging the my, these goalies <laughs> suck drum because yeah, that's the way it goes. It's got to feel like Calgary-Edmonton. Don't forget, that was a yeah. slow start, one goal in the first period, and then the floodgates opened. This could be that again. Maybe the floodgates will open right away, but even if it's one nothing, you know, after the first period or even scoreless, like don't panic if you have the over. It could very easily open up, and you know the third period in elimination game is always a powder keg offensively waiting to explode and erupt. So uh, definitely some things you want to keep in mind for sure uh, regarding the games. Uh, okay, we got best bets here to wrap things up in just a second. We uh, Great stuff with DJ Mitchell and Jimmy Murphy. I think Jimmy's going to try to come back for his uh, best bet. We'll see if he does. Uh, but I, I know he's also had some tech issues. So I don't know if it's tech issues or he's bit. No, he's coming back. I know. We'll get to a best bets in just a second because he does have to get going. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about get- that. No, no problem at all. Uh, best bets in a sec. First, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available you can in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings. Daily fantasy hockey contests. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 and free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. Uh, before we get to best bets, too, uh, guest lists. we got Tyson Brower on Sunday, Matt White on Monday. We've got a tag team. We've got a duo joining us on the show next Tuesday. Eddie Lack and Casey Nelson are joining the show uh, next Tuesday. They're both in Eddie Arizona, Lack. and they both sell real estate, and they're both friends. And huh. we already had Casey Nelson slated to be on the show, so they decided let's have him on at the same time. So that's what we're going to have on uh, Tuesday. Eddie Lack, Casey Nelson, and Carl Alsner with us next Thursday. So that's the special guest list coming up for the uh, next week here uh, on the Ice Guys. All right, best bets to wrap it up. Jimmy, I know you got to run, so we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Well, I got two best bets for you. One in uh, one in hockey, and then you know there's a there's a big match in soccer tomorrow that I'm interested in. Uh, give me Ryan O'Reilly to get a point. That's my best bet for tonight. Uh, and then you know what? I'll, I'll give you a best. I'll give you two best bets for uh, tomorrow. Give me the Rangers, like I said, on the puck line for tomorrow, since I won't be on. And hammer Liverpool up the Reds. They're gonna win. Oh, that's a little UEFA Champions League final right there. Recommendation for uh, Jimmy. Not one. Uh, biased bone in his body though when he says that with, uh, <laughs> not at Liverpool. all not at all not the slightest so <laughs> Liverpool in the soccer Rangers puck line tomorrow Ryan O'Reilly to get a point tonight and of course Jimmy will be back Monday as he always is I'll see you guys the week. all right Jimmy thanks again have a good weekend cheers go abs there you go all right Jimmy Murphy with us all right DJ what do you like for uh best bet yeah I mean this this is tough there's a couple I really really like in general I think for a parlay piece, best bet, if you want to mix it up, like he was saying with other sports, I don't really tout any other sport. I think Landis Gog, they have a point, top power play. I think he's going to have a premium role. If they're losing in the game, we'll be back up with McKinnon. And if they're winning in the game, it's probably because line two dominates and he already has a point in the first period. Um, I think for best bet, honestly, the more I look at it, Tarasenko for two and a half is only minus what, 120. 
that just seems wrong. I mean, he is shooting a ton right now. He's back. He's rolling again. Top power play. They've also taken out uh, Perenovic, who was uh, shooting a little bit more on the power play than anyone else. or right, He was shooting a lot, um, getting it to Perron. So I think with him out, they're moving it to uh, Tarasenko more. So over two and a half. They're not going to be putting him against McKinnon, and he'll find a way to. And, and you know, honestly, if you think logically, St. Louis controlling the matchups, that means that they don't have to put Tarasenko out there against Kadri. They'll probably put him out there against Burakovsky Lions, and he'll have a really, really good opportunity. Um, I think they get over two and a half. If they're losing, yep. they're going to be shooting. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. No question about that. So Vladimir Tarasenko there with the uh, over shots on over two and a half shots you on can, goal. I mean, DJ really, Mitchell. You can kind of build a game script like I am. I, I, I kind of was thinking through it like Avalanche first period win plus one forty five. Then you do Kemper saves a couple shot props on, you know, Tarasenko, Busnevich, shot props on the yep. other side. And you could really kind of talk yourself into a scripture that makes sense. I did the Kadri and Artushkin Landeskog point. I, I think you don't want to get too crazy and bet like 50 things. But if you feel like you have a, you know, a script in mind, um, A, you could play showdown slate on DraftKings, which I'm going to be doing one lineup in. Or you could kind of just build it out yourself and maybe just capitalize on nailing exactly what the game flow could be. Um, so that's, that's, I like that. And then the, yeah, I think I see people saying the over, I do like the over. I just, the math doesn't lead to it. And I really don't like going against my math too often. So, uh, it doesn't fit with the numbers, uh, in terms of the, uh, over, I would have loved to have seen one of these books post an Alexei Toropchenko, uh, points prop because Barube loves him. They love the, what he delivered in game five, uh, in Denver. And he's now on the third line. We started on the fourth line. They ended up. He ended up on the third line at the end of that game. He's going to start tonight on the third line. And, and you look at what he did. He had two shots on goal each of the last two games. He got an assist on one of the uh, Blues goals. I mean, you know you'd get a juicy price on a point prop for him, but you're not going to see it probably. Uh, I'd be surprised. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Torupchenko points props anywhere. Although his goal score prop will be out there, but I, I don't know. I, I feel better about the, uh, the assisting part of his game rather than scoring. But if you want to, there are some books out there that have him plus, I believe, 500 uh, to score a goal tonight for the uh, St. Louis Blues. Alexei Toropchenko. Don't get confused with Tarasenko. There's a Tarasenko and a Toropchenko uh, here on this uh, Blues team. But uh, I was impressed with uh, the way he played uh, for the Blues. Great energy, great on the forecheck. All the things that Craig Berube likes in his team, he delivered it uh, in Game 5. All right, my best bet. St. Louis or Colorado, St. Louis over six and a half minus 114. Uh, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. The over has uh, been good to me in this series, especially since uh, the first two games, uh, three straight overs in this series, all of them coming after uh, Bennington got injured and Huso took over uh, in between the pipes. And look, there's been some cracks in the armor and even in Darcy Kemper, the last couple of games, St. Louis has started to find the back of the net a little bit against him as well. So I think we see goals. Uh, if not early, we'll see an explosion at some point in the second and the third period, and we'll find our way to get up and over the total. So for me, it'll be uh, Colorado, St. Louis, over six and a half, minus 114 uh, for my best bet here on this Friday uh, Ice Guys show. All right, that'll wrap it up. Thanks to everyone in the uh, chat for joining us. Uh, hit the like button on the way out. We appreciate it. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For DJ Mitchell, our special guest, as well as Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday night. Enjoy Game 6. 
between the Avs and the Blues. And we'll be back tomorrow on Saturday, noon Eastern time, for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.